John 14, 1 through 4. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would, if it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And Father, we know that if we follow your truth, we cannot go wrong. That we will find ourselves where we need to be. And we think about all the wrong that's going on in the world today and all the evil. Father, show us something good this day. Something that will encourage us to encourage others to follow you. Father, touch my tongue and my lips and give us your word today is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. What is the greatest thing that could happen to the world? Maybe what, what do you think is the greatest thing that could happen to the world? Think about it for a minute. What do you think is the greatest thing that could happen? A few years ago, one of the most common answers to this question was rid the world of communism or socialism could, uh, were stopped in its tracks. And you know what? I kind of think that answer is making its way back again. That's making a comeback. Uh, others would say if we could find a cure for AIDS or cancer. Now, some would say if we could just have world peace. If we could supply the physical needs of all the people all over the world. Food, clothing, housing for everyone. Sounds like I'm running for Congress. All that, you know, people say that would be a good thing. Or others would say nowadays we could find a cure for COVID or at least get everyone vaccinated, some would say. And others would say if nobody would have gotten vaccinated and then that would have taken care of everything, that would have been the greatest thing that could happen in the world. And there are many other answers to this question, such as if news media would just report the news, wouldn't that be the greatest thing that could happen? If politicians would tell the truth, that would be the greatest thing. If all people could just live together as brothers, and that's getting us back to the 1960s, isn't it? Or if the world could be one to Christ, and certainly I think that, in my mind, that's one of the greatest things that could happen in the world. And all of these, well, most of these are good answers. Some of them might be a little ludicrous. But anyway, some of them, uh, are good answers, but I'm going to give you my answer today. I believe the greatest thing that could happen to the world today would be for Jesus Christ to return. I don't mean in 50 years, in 25 years, 10 years, 5 years, or even one year from now. I don't mean next month, next week, or even tomorrow. I mean today, right now, this very minute could happen, you know. Scriptures say it could happen, and it would be the best thing that could happen to the world. I was thinking about that coming down here, and the last song we heard on the radio as we were coming into town here was, starts out, the marketplace was empty. No more traffic in the street. You know that song? The King is Coming. That's an old him it was new 
years ago. And I was telling the girls that was their mother's favorite hymn to sing in church when she was a little girl. I don't know what caught her mind with that, but she absolutely loved that song. You know, the Bible is filled with promises of his coming. If you believe in Jesus, then you must believe in the Bible. And if you're going to believe in the Bible, you might just as well believe the whole Bible. When we begin to look at God's word, we find promises of our Lord's second coming jumping out from us to, at us from almost every page. In our beginning text, we read the words of Jesus. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. 1 Thessalonians 3 verses 14 or 12 and 13. It says just 13 in your handouts, but it's 12 and 13 says, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you so that he may be established in your hearts, blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. May the Lord be established in your heart so that you are ready when Jesus comes again. Hebrews 9.28 says, So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. So when he comes back again, when he came the first time, he hung on a cross to deal with our sin. When he comes back the next time, it's not going to be to be spit upon. It's not going to be to hang on a cross. It is going to be to come back and get those who are eagerly waiting for him. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will, excuse me, will well on account of him, even so Amen. Everyone, everyone on the face of the earth is going to see Jesus when he comes back. 1 Corinthians 15, 52, in a moment, I love this verse, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, takes so long to get change done, doesn't it? Seems like when we're trying to make change in some area of our lives, sometimes it takes forever. But when Christ comes back, it's going to be a moment, a twinkling of an eye. The second coming of Jesus is mentioned at least 318 times in the New Testament. That's an average of once in every 25 verses. Wow. That ought to convince anyone who says that they believe in the Bible that Jesus is coming again. Once in every 25 verses in the New Testament. Let's talk about the plan of his coming. And I'm not going to get into all these ideas of premillennialism and amillennialism, postmillennialism. I, I, I just, first of all, we don't have time for it. There's a lot of crazy ideas out there. We're just going to talk simply about the plan of his coming. He will come in the sky and everyone will know that he is Lord. Acts 1, 10 and 11, 
And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, that's when Jesus ascended back into heaven after his resurrection. Behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. When he comes, no one on earth will doubt that it's him. <coughs> no one will say he's coming. People say, oh, I don't really believe it. I don't see that. And there are people who've said that in the past. In one of our ministries, on a Wednesday night, I think I told you about this, Jesus showed up, walked into the church house, said he was Jesus. Uh, nice fellow, real nice, very calm, very very polite fellow, but I did tell him that I'd known Jesus for a lot of years and he wasn't him. But you know, a lot of people, when Jesus comes back, they're gonna know it's Jesus. Luke 17, 23 and 24 says, and they will say to you, look there or look here. Do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky, from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. We were talking about this with our granddaughters the other day, and one of them said, you suppose it'll go viral? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> that's how, you know, our young people think today, that everything is going to go viral like it's on YouTube. And you know, maybe it will. Maybe people will all of a sudden, they'll pull out their phones and there it'll be. But this tells us it's like the lightning from the east to the west, that when he comes, everyone will see him coming in the sky. There'll be no doubt. No, there's not going to be a secret first coming, then there's going to be a second coming, a second, second coming, and a third, second coming. No, everyone will see him. <clears throat> the dead in Christ will rise first. Then those who remain will be caught up in the clouds. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And I think these are encouraging words. That when Jesus comes back, there's going to be that trumpet sound that we've already talked about. And then the dead in Christ will rise first. I, whenever I read this verse, I think back to an elder in the first church I ever served, Brother Floyd. And he was talking about this one day. And he said that he thinks about the fact, what if I'm standing in a cemetery? What if I'm visiting uh, the graves of my relatives and all of a sudden the trumpet sounds? And he said, then all of a sudden the graves open up and boom. And he says, I don't know Will they just shoot up in the air. Will they stop and look at me and I'll look at them. Then they'll go, you know. But I've thought about that and I've also thought about the idea that it's not going to be just the dead in the graveyards. There are people buried all over the world and their graves are unmarked. They're buried in the sea. Some may be buried along highways where they, where they put highways through later, maybe even underneath this building at some point in the history of the world. And so all of a sudden, they're shooting up from everywhere through buildings and everything else. And we'll see them. There's not going to be any doubt about that. We're going to see them. Will they? It says they'll rise first and 
the question, will they rise first and stop, look at us, then will we caught up together? Or will we watch them go and then we take off with them? I don't know. But I'm looking forward to it. All my life I've had these dreams that I could fly. Anybody in here ever had that kind of a dream? Let me see your hands. Come on, let's be honest. There's some hands going up. And I'm just thinking, well, this is so simple. Why, did I, why didn't I do this before? And I wake up and I think, oh, shucks. I wasn't flying. I, and I know that time's coming. Either before I'm gone from this world, before my life ends or after, I don't know how it's going to happen, but we'll all be caught up together. And that's how he's going to come. And the purpose of his coming. He's coming to get me. And he's coming to get you. He's coming to receive all of his family. Back to our beginning text, John 14, verse 3. I will come again and will take you to myself and where I am, you may be also. And he's coming to bring God's vengeance on those who have been disobedient to his word. So there's no reason for us to get angry and think, well, I wish God would get those people. You know, sometimes we do that nowadays. We ought not do that. I see some smiles on some faces out there. Well, God's going to get them. Why wish he just get them right now? Well, we don't need to hope for that because I'm going to tell you the truth. Some people may hope that for me and I just soon not that have, have that happen. I'm going to try to be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving to one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven me and let God do the judging and let God bring the vengeance when his time comes. But when he comes back, he's going to bring his vengeance on those who have not been obedient to his word. We look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 10. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. For since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. I think that's interesting. It's not only bringing vengeance on those who disobey God, but also those who did not obey God, who did not follow the gospel of Christ, which talks about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes on that day to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So Christ is coming back. He's going to bring his vengeance on those who disobeyed him and on those who never obeyed him, who knew what the truth was and then would not obey him. Now, if he's coming back and this is going to happen, somebody might ask, how do we prepare for his coming? Well, prepare by coming to Christ for salvation. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. In other words, this is talking about the coming of the Lord and saying, people say, well, where's the coming of the Lord? Why isn't he here yet? 
Well, he's being patient, giving us opportunity to accept Christ, giving us opportunity to follow Jesus and to accept what he has done for us, his death for our sins, to repent of our sins, as this scripture says, and to confess Jesus as the Son of God, to be buried with Christ in the watery grave of baptism and raised up to walk in a new life. And we prepare by living a Christian life. If you've already come to Christ, then you can prepare by living a Christian life. <clears throat> if you knew uh, that someone was going to break into your home tonight, you'd be ready and waiting, wouldn't you? You might even have some police officers with you. If, if you got word, hey, they're going to break into your house tonight, wouldn't you be waiting for them? It's been a few months ago, somebody got in, broke into our truck in our parking and, and out in our driveway. Well, they didn't really break in. It's one of about two or three times in all the years we've lived there that we forgot to lock the truck. I'm always saying about that we lock the truck because it sits outside. We just have one car garage. And so the newest one always sits in the garage and the old one sits outside. Somebody got in there. They got a little change box that we keep in there with some money in it. And uh, we didn't mind the money so much, but that box was just right to fit in a little cubby hole. You know, I hated to lose that. We wouldn't even know it for a while, except there was some change on the ground outside where they dropped it while they were running. But if somebody told me, Tom, somebody's going to get into your truck tonight, don't you know I'd have been sitting out there waiting for them just to say hello when they, when they got to the truck? You know, that's the thing that we know that Jesus is coming back, then we need to live a Christian life always. Since we know that we don't know when that time is going to be, then we ought to be always prepared. We ought not have to change a thing if we knew Christ was going to come back in the next hour. We ought not have to change a, way, a thing about the way we live. 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. So when Christ comes back, he's not only going to come back to take us, but the earth and the heavenly bodies are going to pass away. They're going to be burned up. They're going to be dissolved. We already had a promise that he's not going to, he's not going to destroy the earth again with water. Next time it's with fire. Now, I believe like anybody else that I think we ought not litter, that we ought to be good stewards of what God has given us and God has given us this earth and I don't mind doing green things because it saves me some green in my pocket once in a while. I don't mind that, but when people say, well, the earth is going to burn up, I'm just going to tell you my honest fact. When I was in, in grade school, they said it was going to freeze and now they're saying it's going to burn and then some people are saying, well, it may be getting cold again. Now they're just calling it climate change, but I'm going to say this. If they're saying it's going to burn up, maybe this is part of God's plan because in the end, the earth is going to burn up. I'm going to be as good a steward as I can with the earth and anything God gives me. But you know what? In the end, this earth, all the elements are going to be burned with fire. It's going to be over. When Christ comes, when the trumpet sounds and we're taken up, thank God we're not going to be here. It's going to happen. Prepare by looking and praying for his appearance. Hebrews chapter 9 Verse 28, so Christ will appear a second time to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Are you waiting for him? Are you eagerly waiting for Christ to come? In Revelation twenty-two twenty, Jesus said, surely I am coming soon. Now, if you believe his words, you need to prepare for his coming. 
If you believe that Jesus really is coming, you need to be ready for that coming. A little girl had heard her mother talking with a neighbor about the return of Jesus. <clears throat> Later that day, she couldn't find her and she looked around the house, finally found her upstairs looking out of a window. <clears throat> she asked her daughter what she was doing and she replied, I heard you say that Jesus might come back at any time. So I came upstairs, I took a bath, put on my best dress, and now I'm waiting for him. You know, I think that little girl had it figured out right. If Jesus is coming back any minute, we need to take a bath. We need to be cleansed from our sins. We need to be buried with Christ in the baptism of water and raised to walk in a new life. We need to put on new clothing like that little girl, but our new clothing is Christ. When we are baptized into Christ, we put on Christ. Galatians 3, 26 and 27 tells us that. And so we need to be changed and ready and waiting. I even was thinking that little girl must have been sitting upstairs because she wanted to get a head start. You know, she wanted to get a head start on meeting him in the air. But I say with the Apostle John, Amen, come Lord Jesus. Revelation 22, verse 20 as well. Amen, come Lord Jesus. Jesus is coming soon. That's the greatest thing that could happen in the world. The world, we're going to have some good years. We're going to have some bad years. We're going to have some good politicians, some bad politicians. We're going to have a country that's going right and a country that's going wrong. But the world has always been evil. And the world has always been bad. And the best thing that could happen to this world is for Jesus to come back for a trumpet to sound and for us to meet those who've gone on in the air and be with him forever. I hope this will be your prayer. I hope you'll be looking for him. If you're not ready, then I hope you'll get yourself ready. You can do that today by coming up and just saying, I need to make Christ my Lord. I need to be baptized into Jesus Christ. And we'll take care of that today. You can repent, Christian, if you've not been living for Jesus and we'll take care of that. If you're listening on the podcast, contact us at rocksolidministries.org through our contact page and we'll help you find somebody who will help you to make this very decision. It's time now to stand and sing. If God has touched your heart, then let him touch your feet now. Let's come on up and make that decision that God has put in your heart.